Welcome back to the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning Podcast and Part 4, our final part of our review of Jose Silva's Mind Control Program. I'm Andrea Samadhi, an author and an educator who, like many of you listening, have been fascinated with learning and understanding the science behind any high-performance strategy proven to increase our results in our schools, our sports, or modern workplaces. If there's something new that I come across that can help us in any way, I'll investigate it, connect it with the most current research, and then share what I learn with you here. My goal with this four-part review of the popular program from the 1980s and 1990s, The Silva Method, is to help all of us to learn something new to refine our current meditation practice, whether we're working in our schools to improve learning, in our sports environments for improved results towards a specific goal, or in the corporate workplace to generate new ideas. I wouldn't have picked this book to review if it hadn't have made such an impact on the world, like Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich book, that currently sits on our most downloaded episode of 2022 after we reviewed it last January to kick off our new year. Before starting this review that I hoped would give us a running start to 2023, I had no idea the concepts I would be learning each week would be so powerful, deep, and life-changing, requiring far more thought than usual while writing each episode. I began this four-part book review the end of November, around Thanksgiving in the United States, and shortly after releasing the first episode, I began receiving emails from around the world from people who were interested in learning more about the Silva Method. Some were remembering it from the 80s and the 90s when Jose Silva ran this program globally, and others were asking me where they could find a live seminar. It was Dr. Hassan Ibn Akram from episode 260 who held up an old copy of the Silva Mind Control Method book, sharing how it had impacted his life, jogging my memory of Jose Silva, who I'd heard of years ago while selling seminars in the motivational speaking industry. Then my good friend Hans Adjay from the UK urged me to sign up for the full program through Mind Valley where the course sits today after Vishen Lakiani, the founder, revised and improved it in this current version. Hans wrote, it'll be transformative, and little did I know just how transformative it would be. As I'm writing this episode now, and the final part of this review, I'm nearing the end of Vishen Lakiani Silva's Mind Control course through the Mind Valley website. I can now see this is a program that you never really complete, like I noticed with Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich book, for Hill intended the book to be read more than one time for the concepts to be mastered in one's lifetime. Jose Silva's book is exactly the same, and his online Ultramind course, the experiential side of the program that consists of the lessons from his book mixed with meditations, brings the pages of the Silva Method to life in a way that I never imagined just by reading the book. I've got to say this course has blown my mind and expanded my thinking in a way I hadn't imagined at the start of this review. Remember, when a person learns to function mentally at this deeper level, 
creativity is enhanced, memory is improved, and a person is better able to solve problems. Jose Silva. Today I plan to finish the review of the Silva method, and while I won't be going into every chapter, I've picked the ones that I think are relevant to help all of us with the basics of what Jose Silva intended us to learn. Then we'll take these basic concepts that Jose Silva found to be transformative, like my friend Hans Ajay noticed, and apply them to our daily life, connecting the science to our creativity and innovation using Dr. Andrew Huberman's most recent podcast episode on the science of creativity, how to enhance creative innovation. Finally, I'll provide clear examples of innovation and creativity from three of our past guests, one in each of the sectors we study here, our schools, our sports environments, and corporate workplaces, with a goal to inspire you to enhance your own creativity for improved results in 2023 using the Silva Method. I just wish Jose Silva could have seen the mounds of research that prove what he knew to be true with his meditation method, and he wouldn't have had to disguise it as biofeedback in the corporate world today. I want to mention that while I'm enjoying the online Ultramind course, I'm not at all affiliated with Mind Valley or the CEO, Vishen Lakiani, but I did hear my mentor, Bob Proctor, talking about his organization over the years, knowing he supported their work, but I had no idea that Jose Silva's program would end up there. While I'm only reviewing the book here and not what I'm learning in the online course, I might do that at a later date after I implement the concepts a bit more. I do think it's important to include some of the meditations that I found online in part three of this review to show you what they consist of. I've listed them in the resource section below for you to use. I've also put a snapshot of the topics covered over the 28-day online program, and while I'm currently at day 21 out of 28, I can say that mastering the ideas in the book are a good place to start if you'd like to improve your current meditation practice, and then I'll show you how this will enhance your creativity and ability for innovation. I think this four-part review could be used to jumpstart all of us on the right foot for 2023. If you'd like to go deeper into the Silva Method, I do suggest taking the online Ultramind system but caution to get the most out of this program that daily practice will be required. This is a course that you'd want to carve out some time for. So putting the four parts of the Silva Method together, part one of the Silva Method and episode 261, we covered chapter one, using more of our mind in special ways, an introduction to the Silva Mind Control Method. And if you've begun using your mind to create a mental screen for heightened visualization, you could end this book review here and still be miles ahead for 2023. Central to Jose Silva's method of mind control is with the power of visualization. And he says right from the beginning, from the very moment you reach your meditative level that he calls accessing the alpha state, you must learn to practice visualization. The better you learn to visualize, the more powerful will be your experience with mind control. With time and practice, it will be this screen that you'll learn how to help yourself and others. 
You begin with creating simple things until you're ready to solve small problems in your daily life, from work to health and improving learning and creativity. As you progress through this program, you can learn to use the screen of your mind for more advanced, innovative, and creative ideas. There's no limit to what you could create here. In part one, we also looked at what this program has done for others. The late Dr. Wayne Dyer said that anything with the name Jose Silva as the author has his vote before he even opens to page one. He said, read it with a pen for underlining. And then Jose Silva himself noted that a marketing company used his program to create 18 new products. 14 Chicago White Sox players used it to boost their scores. Celebrities have used it and credit Jose Silva for improving their focus and creativity. And colleges and universities have used it to help students study less but learn more. And during the Silva Ultramind course, the online program that I joined while doing this book review, I had the chance to participate on a training call one evening with all the new students who'd recently come on board with Mind Valley. They have over 10 million students worldwide studying over 200 speakers and authors on the site. And the moderator asked what course people were studying, and people started chiming into the chat from the U.S., from Canada, from U.K., from Australia, and remote countries around the world. And they were all there to study the Silva Method. I was floored, mostly because I thought that this training call would have just a handful of people coming on board. I didn't expect so many participants globally And all of them were there to study the same course I was there for. It took mind-boggling to a whole new level when I started to put together that this program was something that people are still very interested in learning about. Then in Chapter 2, we met Jose Silva, and we learned about his passion for helping others to improve their ability to learn. He was a humble man who worked very hard to develop the ideas within his program, and he was very careful about how he presented his ideas, as visualization was not something that was widely accepted in the corporate world in the 80s and the 90s. In his live events, he would start his program by introducing his concepts as biofeedback that had more credibility at the time, and they were more readily accepted before he began introducing business executives to more advanced concepts of the mind, like using visualization or different aspects of it on the second day of the training. Then in chapter three, we looked at how to meditate. We reviewed the brain states, beta, alpha, theta, and delta. We learned that we spend most of our waking time at the beta state, where we feel the stress and anxiousness of daily life, So finding ways to relax that he calls going to the alpha state can be helpful. His online program does cover how to access the theta level of mind for increased intuition and offers a strategy for solving problems in your sleep at the delta level. Next, we were introduced to using a mental screen in your mind for heightened visualization, and it will be this screen that we will use to help ourselves and others in future chapters. And I would say developing the use of this screen is the key to the entire program. It's where your goals will begin to form or where you'll work with new ideas that come into your mind. I've heard it being called your workshop or where you create something new in your mind 
And with time and practice, what you put on this screen becomes clearer and clearer. Then we went on to part two of the Silva Method on episode 262, and we covered chapter four with dynamic meditation, where we actually do something while meditating instead of it being a passive practice. We learned how to be more in control of our life using visualization, and Dr. Andrew Huberman's research does tie in the importance of using meditation to improve our creativity And I'll expand on this at the end of this episode. We learned four laws that must be in place before we visualize a goal. We must desire the event to take place that we want. We must believe the event we want to take place. We must expect the event to take place. And then we must be working on only something that will benefit ourselves and others. And I noticed how these four laws mirror Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich book, and I wondered if Jose Silva did this intentionally. We looked at three steps to solve any problem using the Silva method on the screen that we built in our mind. And then in chapter five, we went on to improving our memory and learned about Silva's memory hacks that we've seen on previous episodes, as well as in the motivational speaking industry. We moved into part three of the Silva Method, episode 263, where we covered speed learning. And this is where we took the mental screen and paired it with the three-finger technique to learn something quickly to access the alpha brain state. And then we also looked at recording our voice or creating what I knew was called the loop tape of whatever it was we want to remember. We'd record what we want to remember in the beta state and then listen to this tape in the alpha state using the three-finger technique or from counting backwards. And then chapter seven was on creative dreams, where we covered four strategies for remembering our dreams and taking them seriously like Jose Silva himself did. Now today, for part four of the Silva Method, episode 265, we'll finish looking at the book And we'll cover chapter 8, Your Words Have Power, chapter 9, The Power of Your Imagination, and chapter 10, Using Your Mind to Improve Your Health. Then we'll connect the most current neuroscience research to Jose Silva's program with some clear examples and next steps for us to all apply the Silva method for improved intuition, creativity, and focus right in time for the new year. Chapter 8, Your Words Have Power. I'm sure we've all heard of the importance of thinking and speaking positive words over negative ones, and Jose Silva would agree with this. In this chapter, he talks about someone from Oklahoma, a nurse, Miss Jean Mabry, who puts this knowledge of the mind to use to help her and her patients. As soon as they went under, in deep anesthesia, She would whisper in their ears instructions that would speed their recovery and, in some cases, save their lives. Jose Silva would say, first, words have special power at deep levels of mind. Second, the mind has a much firmer command over the body than it's given credit for. And third, as we noted in Chapter 5, we're always conscious. And here's another one of Silva's principles that I learned from the speaking industry. Bob Proctor used to tell a story on stage 
of how he would whisper success secrets into the ears of his children when they were little. While they're now grown, this story always stuck with me as we always want the best for our own kids. So when I had children, the first thing I did, I would drop into my child's room just before they were about to drift off to sleep, and I would tell them something that would go deep into their subconscious mind. I would say something like, you'll do whatever it is you want. Whatever you can dream, you'll do it. And I did this almost every night with my first and with my second, not as often, and she needed it more. Now to think about it, I even spoke to my girls before they were born, letting them know how excited we were to meet them and how much fun it would be when they arrived. Be very careful about the words we use and how they trigger our brains. We're always conscious and listening. Since this concept was drilled into my head early on because of the speaking industry, I learned early on how to be very careful of everything I say and everything I think. If someone says, how are you, and I'm not feeling 100%, the best answer to this question is with a positive angle, like getting better and better every day to move myself in that direction. An answer like, ah, not bad today, would, according to Silva, hit the brain in a negative way as it would only hear bad instead of good. I can tie the research to this as well because my mentor, Mark Robert Waldman, who wrote Words Can Change Your Brain with Andy Newberg, in this book, they explain the more you stay focused on negative words and thoughts, the more you can actually damage key structures that regulate your memory, feelings, and emotions. You may disrupt your sleep, your appetite, and the way your brain regulates happiness, longevity, and health. That's how powerful a single negative word or phrase can be. And if you vocalize your negativity, even more stress chemicals will be released, not only in your brain, but in the listener's brain as well. You'll both experience increased anxiety and irritability, and it will generate mutual distrust, therefore undermining the ability to build empathy and cooperation. The same thing happens in your brain when you listen to arguments on the radio or you see a violent scene in a movie. The brain, it turns out, doesn't distinguish between fantasies and facts when it perceives a negative event. Instead, it assumes that a real danger exists in the world. Words can change your brain. So Jose Silva had it right when he said, words have special power at deep levels of mind. The mind has a firmer command over the body than it's given credit for, and we're always conscious. Be careful with every word you think and speak. Words do have power. Chapter 9 is the power of your imagination. And we dove deep into this concept in part 3 of our review of Think and Grow Rich earlier this year that I can see was one of high interest to our listeners as this episode had over 1,400 downloads. On this episode, we looked at the fact that our lives reflect how well we use our imagination because when we hit one plateau of success, it will be our imagination that will take us to what's next. Author Earl Nightingale said imagination is everything. As we see with the Silva Method, All great inventions are created in two separate places. First, the mind of the inventor, 
And second, the physical world where the inventor creates it. There's no doubt in my mind that Silva was influenced by Hill's Think and Grow Rich book. He says it himself in this chapter that imagination seizes directly on the goal. It gets what it wants and elaborates by saying this is why he placed so much emphasis on your learning true-to-life visualization at the deep levels of mind. If you spur your imagination with belief, desire, and expectancy, and train to visualize your goals so that you see, feel, taste, and touch them, you'll get what you want. This is why mastering your mental screen for visualization is so important. If there's one part of the Silva method that I think we could all benefit from, it's this one, learning to use the mental screen on our mind. It's this mental screen where you'll solve small and larger problems and learn to help yourself and others in many different ways. It's the starting block that must be mastered over time and not rushed. The final chapter I'll cover in the Silva method is chapter 10, using your mind to improve your health. We've covered this topic in a few places on the podcast, episode 234 with Ashok Gupta on health and happiness, getting to the root of chronic pain and illness, where Ashok Gupta shows us how chronic pain or illness occurs in the brain with a vicious loop of inflammation and irritation. And he's successfully been treating his patients with chronic fatigue syndrome, long-haul COVID, fibromyalgia, chemical or mold sensitivities, gut issues, anxiety, Lyme disease, and so many more with a meditation program he designed called the Gupta Program. And this is a program that combines brain training in conjunction with working with a medical doctor for healing. We also heard from physician and neurologist Dr. Philippe Doyon, who shared his story of overcoming illness on episode 241 with positive thinking at the root of his recovery. Jose Silva was far ahead of his time with his understanding of using mind control for self-healing. This chapter is near the end of the book, and I have to say that I heard of using the mind for healing when my mom was undergoing treatment for cancer in the late 90s. I told Dr. Doyon about her strategy for healing, and he said he'd heard many patients like this successfully overcoming serious health challenges and that positive thinking and visualizing health were at the root of their healing, just like Silva believed. In this chapter, Silva talks about a cancer specialist named O. Carl Simonton, and he taught the imagery techniques to 159 patients with incurable cancer, and expected survival rate was 12 months. Four years later, 63 of them were alive, 14 showed no signs of cancer, 12 had cancer regressing, and 17 were stable. The average survival time of the group was 24.4 months, which was twice the expected average. Simonton, who was trained by Silva and the mind control techniques, was featured in Prevention Magazine in an article called Mind Over Cancer, where he shared that the patients who recovered all had something in common. He said they were often positive, optimistic, determined people. In this chapter, Silva talks about the idea of self-healing using your mental screen, 
but he also touches on something that goes a bit beyond our usual level of thinking in chapter 12 that Silva calls ESP, or extrasensory perception, that he believed we all had. He works closely with J.B. Ryan at Duke University to understand this subject and bring his experiments into his understanding, but it's important to note that Silva believed this concept could be developed and strengthened over time to help his students improve self-healing, healing of others, improve their intuition, and strengthen their mental screen practice. He touches on this in the book, and his online program goes into great detail of how exactly this is done with activities that use the screen of our mind or psychometry, which is where you hold an object that's been worn by someone, something like a t-shirt or a ring, and it's something I've been fascinated with since I first heard about this over 20 years ago. I'll be sure to cover this topic again in the future, as it's still one I'm learning and exploring. I'm sure you'll see now what Silva said when he said, once we learn to use our minds to train it, it will do some astounding things for us, as you'll soon see. This brings me to the end of part four and our review of the Silva Method. To conclude this four-part review of the Silva Method, I want to look at how we can use what we learned throughout this review to improve our creativity in 2023 for innovation in your specific line of work. This is where I'll take the research and tie it to the Silva method, showing us that we all have the ability to be creative and how to improve this area of our life in the new year. This is a deep topic requiring some thought that goes along with just how comprehensive Silva's method is. To make this applicable for all of us, I'll be using the concepts from Dr. Andrew Huberman's most recent podcast on the science of creativity and how to enhance creative innovation, tying in Jose Silva's method to bring these four parts of our book review and make it applicable for all of us, whether we're educators working in our classrooms, working in the sports industry, or in our modern workplaces. So to close out this episode, let's go straight to the research. Did you know that according to American neuroscientist and associate professor at Stanford School of Medicine, Dr. Andrew Huberman, the ability to be creative resides in everybody? We know that because the neural circuits that underlie creativity have been somewhat defined and the steps and processes in the brain that lead to creativity are well known. So what makes something creative? Jose Silva would have loved this research, especially when Dr. Huberman ties many studies to meditation and the brain and creativity. But let's begin with the idea of defining creativity. Dr. Huberman spent over two hours on his podcast diving thoroughly and deeply into this topic that I'm going to narrow down for this episode. He explains that most people don't know how to access creativity, or they do it in a limited manner. And I'll agree with him here. As you'll see, coming up with an idea that's creative and innovative takes time, effort, and years of work making connections then using your executive functions in your brain to cross off what's not relevant, and then testing these connections to see what's left that you'll keep, hoping that they're creative and relevant to others. 
Dr. Huberman explains that when we see something that's truly creative, it reveals something to us about the natural world and about how our brains work. It must reveal something that surprises us for it to be truly creative. Then something pops out at us, he says. We hear something in the words with music, or we see something, we feel or experience something, and something pops out to us as exciting. This reveals something about our brain or our auditory system, creating new meaning for us. And when we see, hear, feel, or experience something that's truly creative, the way our neural circuits function is changed. When our neural circuits are changed, simply by what comes into our eyes, ears, or the way we experience our feelings, there's a release of chemicals like dopamine that make us feel surprised, delighted, or excited in anticipation that we'll see it again. So when I say the ability to be creative resides in everyone, it does, since we all have the same structures in our brain, but some people have learned to use certain parts of their brain to foster creativity in ways that others have not. This is where practicing the Silva method comes in. Dr. Huberman went on to explain that there are three networks in the brain that are involved in coming up with a creative idea, and we've covered these three parts of the brain extensively on episode 48 on brain network theory. It was here we covered the default mode network, the central executive network, and the salience network that are all involved with coming up with truly creative ideas. While I'm not going to dive into each part of the brain now, you can review episode 48 where we show how these three parts of the brain must work together to improve our imagination and creativity. I just want to point out that coming up with creative ideas takes some brain power. So when you're working with the screen of your mind in the Silva Method, you'll be using all three parts of your brain to come up with new ideas. You'll be using your central executive network to help you to suppress ideas, actions, or choices. You'll be using your default mode network to help you to access your library of previous memories that you'll be using to create your novel idea. And then your salience network will help you to make choices of what's relevant to you. You'll be using your brain to create something new and useful by rearranging existing elements from your memory bank into new combinations that reveals something fundamental about how we and the world works. And let's go a bit deeper now. The final part of creating something truly creative and innovative is that it's done by going back and forth between two types of thinking. The first type is divergent thinking, where we take a known object in the world and we expand upon this idea. The more ideas, the better. You wander through your ideas that you already know from your memory bank with the hopes the connections you're making reveal something new to others. And then you go back and forth between convergent thinking that's the opposite of divergent thinking, but it's where we use focus and persistence to narrow in on an idea that makes sense in the real world. If you want to dive deeper into Dr. Andrew Huberman's thorough two-hour explanation of creativity in the brain, he takes things much deeper than I do here. 
He doesn't miss anything and even goes on to show us the parts in the brain that light up when we're involved in divergent versus convergent thinking. And then he lists two types of meditations that are proven to improve these ways of thinking. He says open monitored meditation, like just closing your eyes and paying attention to your thoughts without judgment, is well documented to improve our divergent thinking capability. And focused attention meditation, like staring at a flame of a light or a candle, is a way to improve our convergent thinking capabilities. So let's put creativity into practice. When thinking about how to close out this four-part review and make it applicable for all of us, I had to spend some time thinking about this one. I didn't want to just end this book review without some solid research backing up the validity of the Silva Method with some clear examples of those who've shown innovation and creativity who we've come across on this podcast. It wasn't difficult to find someone in each of the three sectors we cover, and now that I've tied the research to creative thinking, I'm sure you'll agree with me that the examples I share here are all showing true innovation and creativity, and that coming up with a creative idea like each of these took years of experience, work, and thought. It wasn't like how I remember the commercial of that guy who invented peanut butter cups who tripped and his chocolate bar fell into a jar of peanut butter, and bam, he had a new invention. These are three examples that I hope will inspire you to put some of your own thought into how you can use the Silva Method and come up with creative and innovative ideas of your own. For schools, I chose our guests from episode 215, who've shown innovation in the field of education by launching a podcast to elevate student and teacher voice. Remember, to show creativity, it must reveal something new to us. It's got to be entertaining or thrilling or useful, and it changes the way we access the world, acting as portals into the world and ourselves. I couldn't have found a clearer example than these two Canadian podcasters who published a book called The Magnificent Microphone that when a student connected to it, It opens up a whole new world of confidence, creativity, and success. These two leaders in education have discovered true creativity and innovation in the podcasting space, bringing student-led podcasts into the field of education. For sports, I chose a forward-thinking coach from an early episode 38 who has shown innovation with a sports team when he redesigned their locker room and uniforms with a vision beyond what has typically been done before. Remember, to show creativity, it must reveal something new to us. It's got to be entertaining, thrilling, or useful, and it changes the way we access the world, acting as portals into the world and ourselves. This one you'll see more if you watch the 30-second snapshot of their locker reveal. I put a link in the show notes you can click on. And this reveal takes the team on a journey from the minute they walk into the new room where the players are taking in the many visual cues they see, making connections to past players, where they are today, and their future. And for the workplace, I chose our recent episode 264, where our guest was able to look at ways to create breakthroughs in the workplace, bringing to light something that was left off the table in the past. He looked at EQ and IQ, 
and found that experience was left off and coined the term XQ for experiential intelligence. This guest also mentioned his love of making connections, which is something he noticed I do intentionally on this podcast. And now after hearing Dr. Huberman's explanation, he talks about the fact that true creativity or innovation could not occur without, let's say, an architect coming up with an incredible plan for a building without a thorough understanding of how buildings are put together in the first place. Remember, to show creativity, it must reveal something new to us. It's got to be entertaining, thrilling, or useful, and it changes the way we access the world, acting as portals into the world and ourselves. Once we know what novelty and creativity and innovation look like in the brain, you can only imagine what's happening at the brain level with each of these examples. Just like the complexity of the reading brain, with the four parts of the brain working together as a student learns how to read, someone coming up with a creative, innovative idea has specific networks in the brain working together to create what the rest of the world would come to see as novel or innovative. This is what makes some things go viral online. The new experience actually changes the circuits in the brain with whatever a person sees, feels, hears, or experiences. Dopamine is released with a surprise and delight with whatever it is they're making a connection to, and there's the hope of anticipation that they'll get to experience it again. I hope all three of these examples have given you a glance into the world of innovation that's possible for you as a product of going through the simple steps in the Silva Method. To conclude this episode and part four of our review of the Silva Method, we looked at a review of all three parts of the Silva Method book review. And then today in part four, we looked at chapter eight, how your words have power, chapter nine, the power of your imagination, and chapter 10, using your mind to improve your health. Then we connected the Silva Method to Dr. Andrew Huberman's neuroscience research on creativity and innovation, and we gave an example of innovation from our past guests in the field of education, sports, and the modern workplace. The goal of this four-part review of Jose Silva's program was to encourage all of us to see if we could learn something new to take our results to new heights in 2023. I had no idea how deep the book and the online program would go, and I know I'll review the online course at a later time, but for now, this review has given me some new ideas to improve my own visualization and mental screen method to help me with my short-term and long-term goals. I'd love to hear from you what you thought of this episode, where we tied the most current research to Jose Silva's work, reminding me that once we learn to use our minds to train it, it will do some astounding things for us, as you'll soon see. I do want to add something before we close out about the importance of honoring other people's creative and innovative ideas. Now we've seen what's involved at the brain level with coming up with an idea that's truly novel, I'm sure you'll agree with me that while we all have the ability to create something new, that this comes naturally to some and is more difficult for others. If you see someone else's creative or innovative idea, please never approach it as your own. And here's a caution for plagiarism. 
Can words or ideas really be stolen? When you're the creator of an idea, I can tell you firsthand, as someone who has worked very hard on something, and then I saw it pasted on a reputable company's website the day after I shared my new ideas with them. I was so very disappointed, mostly as they'd taken something that I had permission to use from someone else who wasn't referenced in their quote, because they stole the quote from me. If you see something from someone else that you like and you want to use it somewhere, always credit the source where it originated from with the proper format with quotation marks. If it's something more than a quote or an idea, I would contact the creator firsthand and see what they think about what you'd like to do. I wanted to use an assessment based on American psychologist Howard Gardner's theory of multiple intelligences in my first book, The Secret for Teens Revealed, and I emailed him directly at Harvard to ask him. He was shocked I even asked, and he said most people don't, they just use it. He told me he didn't mind if I used it, but he wanted me to be sure I portrayed the intelligences in a way that showed that we can develop them all with effort, not that we were inclined for some and not others. I never forgot this. If you ask the creator directly, you can find out what they would prefer to keep original and what they don't mind sharing with their name attached to it as the originator. And with this in mind, I'd love to hear what you create this year. I've put the meditations that I found online that are a good place for all of us to begin this process in the show notes resource section below, and I'll see you next week with our review of the top 10 episodes from 2022 and some surprise interviews that I had to squeeze in before the end of the year. See you next week. If you're enjoying the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast, please don't forget to subscribe so you'll stay up to date with our new episode. While you're there, please feel free to give us a review or a five-star rating as it helps others find us. For more information on our programs, books, and tools for schools and the workplace, visit us at www.achieveit360.com.